Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. This Lent on Sundays as well as Wednesdays we have a sermon series and it's titled The Covenant Fulfilled. Each week we're looking at the reading from the Old Testament along with the Holy Gospel and other New Testament scriptures uh, to see God's uh, uh, solemn promise, promises in their different facets uh, given and then fulfilled in, of course, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We've seen how with the sacrifice of Isaac by Abraham, he was really showing how he would sacrifice his son. And then last week we saw how just as a seed, these promises grew until Jesus as the seed blossomed the fruit for salvation to all. Today we have Exodus chapter 20, a most familiar section, at least from the catechism. That's why we sang that first hymn, uh, what's often called the Ten Commandments. Along with John chapter 2, Jesus cleansing the temple and predicting his death and resurrection. For now, just the opening of Exodus 20. God spoke all these words saying, I'm going to use his name, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. In Christ's name, I titled this segment actually weeks ago because I had to get the whole series up on the screens. Redemption in the Resurrection. But as this past week unfolded and I prepared other materials, including our theme paragraph for the bulletin, I thought, well, maybe redemption isn't the best word it is in the epistle for today. But I really intended something else. But redemption will do to see what's needed and promised by God. Redemption means to, to purchase, right? In our English parlance, to buy back. But it inherently implies a value on something. Something precious with worth, indeed acceptable and wanted. And I think we see the importance of our redemption, yours and mine, your worth before God in Exodus chapter 20. It is what is often called the list of the ten commandments and the Bible uses that word too. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall remember the Sabbath day and on and on. I hope you know them by heart in order. It's not just seventh and eighth graders that should be able to recite them. 
an awesome list from the awesome God. Indeed, that old joke, if you can call it a joke, these are ten commandments, not ten suggestions, right? It is God ordaining. This is what it shall be. In fact, if you have come to my newcomer class or come to my Bible class today, if you're not going to Raleigh's or the women's or, or the parenting class, there's that announcement. I cover the fact that a lot of Hebrew scholars think that these may not be imperatives, but indicatives, not commands, but statements of fact. And I personally agree. You might translate them. You will. This is what's going to happen. Have no other gods. You will not misuse his name, etc. To me, that's even more daunting. Whoa, wait. This is what will happen if I am God. Indeed, perfection. These commandments, the Decalogue they're often called, do indeed show the perfect God and that we also should be perfect. You may remember, it was in the Lenten devotion from Lutheran Hour Ministries, and there's that announcement on the exit stand and on the table. Yesterday or the day before I had the scene from Mark chapter 10 where a man comes up to Jesus and asks what he must do to inherit eternal life. He's trying to earn, find the, just the things he needs to do, not realizing the perfect perfection. Jesus tells him, well, what do you see in the commandments? And indeed, almost recites all ten of them. The man replies, all these I have kept from my youth, thinking he's done them. Jesus shows the real meaning behind it. He says, one thing you lack. In other words, you're not perfect. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And he went away sad because he was a rich man. Jesus loved him, though, it says in that text. He wanted him to see God wants you to be perfect. If we're looking at our redemption, our righteousness, our value before God, it is God's own standard. Indeed, these commandments show the perfect God. You see that in the middle after the first commandment is, is mentioned. God says, I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God. He being perfect wants perfection. Leviticus 19.2 is quoted by the New Testament. Be ye holy. That can mean perfect. No sin. No contamination. Why? Because I, Yahweh your God, am holy. There's our value. Or what should be? Perfection to God. Indeed, with these commandments, keeping them with passionate, sacrificial love, always making him first, the first commandment. Many of you good Lutherans learned in confirmation class or the newcomer class, summarizes them all. You shall have no other gods before me. 
Martin Luther said, whatever is most important to you, that is your God. Is God always number one in what you do and say and even think? Again, Jesus. During Holy Week, as he went to the cross for all of us, was quizzed. What is the greatest commandment? As if one or two are more important than others. He summarized them all with Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And love your neighbor, quoting Leviticus, as yourself. Totally prioritize God and others. Then again, he wanted people to see the perfection the law describes, demands, but by itself does not give. At least not for you and me, imperfect, sinful creatures of God. That's why we need our redemption, our value in Christ's resurrection, in his work for us, in our place. And you do see this, I think, in John chapter 2. This is early in Jesus' ministry as he cleans out the temple in Jerusalem. Some folks don't realize that until they start reading their Bible thoroughly. He did it more than once. He also did it during Holy Week at the end of his ministry. Here at the start, he went in and probably more than the picture on the screen depicted with, with great authority, turned over tables and cast the money changers from the temple. They, they had fallen prey to that view that we just perform certain things and, and we're right with God. We have value to God. We're acceptable to God. Even worse, they had perverted the God-given rituals, sacrifices, other things of the temple with, with sinful and greedy, cheating practices. But the point is what the disciples, it says in John 2, remembered from the Psalms. It was predicted of the Savior, zeal for your house, God, has consumed me. Not only with the things of the law involved there, but with all things of the law, Jesus was saying indeed that he would do it perfectly. Early in his ministry, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And he did. I heard a professor at seminary one time say, it's hard to believe Jesus could have come anywhere near that temple in Jerusalem without cleaning it. <laughs> because he was perfect, is perfect, and he worked that perfection in every aspect of God's law. Indeed, showing that he's also God. And that perfect God who saves. Doing it for you and me. 
If you're in my newcomer class or maybe today in Bible class, I emphasize something always when we look at Exodus 20. Our list of the Ten Commandments really leaves out the original number one. You Lutherans may wonder, or people from other denominations too, why we have repetition with some. We Lutherans, Roman Catholics too, have, have two commandments about coveting. And other denominations have two commandments about idolatry. They add, don't make for yourselves any graven images. That's because we all have left off the first word they are called. Not commandments in the original context. The first thing God said is verse 2. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The first word to God, to the Israelites, they're now gathered at Mount Sinai is to remind them of what he did first before they would ever do anything for him. I saved you. And he wants you to see that too. As you turn to God's laws and commands, holy and perfect, seek to live that way. See first that he has done everything for your salvation. Our epistle today has that great line towards the end that Christ has become for us wisdom from God. This, this is the amazing revelation that you can't know from earthly things, only from his word. Indeed, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Christ is the value you have before God. Indeed, with passionate love that isn't first yours for God or for others. It's from God to you. I looked it up. It was way back in July of last year. We had just been open for worship again for a couple of months. Had far less people than we do now. Praise God that we have more. Where Deuteronomy chapter 7 was our text. And I was so glad to find it again for you of the Fellowship of Trinity and for myself. Moses reminded the people 40 years later, it was not because you were more in number than other people that Yahweh set his love on you. Yahweh your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession, redeemed indeed, out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. For you were the fewest of all peoples. It was because the Lord loves you. So passionate, he gave his only son for you on the cross. Jesus predicted that in John chapter 2. Destroy this temple. They remembered later, he was talking about his body, his crucifixion, his death, and then his resurrection. And in three days, he predicted, I will raise it up. God, with passionate love, you're going to hear next week, John 3, 16, gave his only begotten son that whoever just trusts in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Now we go with thankfulness to live his laws, reflecting, showing our perfect God who has perfectly saved. Indeed, throughout the world, this is for all people. We go forth with a wisdom this world doesn't have. So many are looking at outward events in their life, their own accomplishments or lack of them to determine their worth and acceptance to God. You and I, and we can share with them, know our redemption, righteousness, value is indeed in the crucified and risen Savior, His righteousness in your place. Indeed, because of that, that's why with the Apostle Paul, as we heard today, we, we preach and proclaim always and witness and show Christ crucified and indeed Him risen from the dead, sealing your righteousness for you forever. It's not inappropriate to use the Easter greeting twice indeed as a summary today of redemption in our resurrected Savior. Again, omitting the last word, but maybe saying the sermon, amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.